You know, 50 years ago, a man stood up and he said these words, I still, whoa, how about that? I don't think he did that. I still have a dream. He said it's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the summer former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. How many of you have heard that speech before? The I have a dream speech. I was told about that speech that the part that I just now read was not even in Dr. Martin Luther King's notes. That when he was delivering that speech, that just spontaneously came out of him as he was sharing his dream. And I want to talk to us this morning about dreams. And I want to talk to us specifically, maybe not about dreams that are active inside of you and maybe dreams that you have right now, but I want to talk to you maybe about some dreams that have that have sort of faded away. I, I want to talk to us about dreams that maybe you once had, but now there's something inside of you that uh, has made you quit dreaming again. Maybe you wanted to start a business and it never came about. Maybe you had dreams when you were in high school of all that you would be and and how many know that life happens? And life happened to you, and, and somehow along the way your your dreams got, got tarnished, and maybe maybe now you've just decided you're just going to try to hang on until you retire and get a little place in Gatlinburg and go fishing, you know. But, but you kind of lost your dream somewhere along the way. I remember one time I was in southern Illinois, and there was a... Um, there was a, uh, a, a, a field. And on the field, there was, there was a sign. And, and, and the sign on the field said, future home of such and such a church. How many of you have ever been by a sign like that that said future home of? It might have been a business or a church or whatever. At future home of. And there's something exciting about when you see a sign like that, isn't there? When you see a field, but you know there's a dream that someday that field's going to be a, a house of worship. And then I drove by that sign about a year that that field about a year later and I still saw the sign future home of such and such a church about 3 years later I I I drove by that sign and now the paint was peeling on the sign that said future home of such and such a church and I knew where that church had been meeting and I knew of their dreams of building in another place and and one day I was driving by their church where they were, they were meeting and, and, and I saw that sign that had been in the field, but now it was behind their dumpster. And the dream had died. And this morning I wanted to talk to you this morning because maybe there's some people here 
that the paint is peeling on your dreams. There were some things that you had in your heart, some things that, that maybe you thought that God wanted to do in your life, some plan, maybe some ways that you wanted to raise your kids, some, some plans that you had for all of that. And this morning I want to talk to you specifically about a man by the name of Abraham. Because like Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham had a dream. Abraham was minding his own business one day when, when he hears the voice of God. It's nighttime and God says, look at the stars, count them if you can. He says, I'm going to give you so many descendants that it's going to be like the stars of the sky. Then he said, look down at your feet and look at the sand. Look at the sand in the desert. He said, you see the sand in the desert? I'm going to give you seed that's going to be like the sand. You're going to have so many. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and he, and he, left, his, he left his family and he left his wealthy parents and he, and he went searching for a city, the Bible said, his builder and maker was God. He had a dream of all of these descendants. And God said about his descendants that I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. And if that's not enough, I'm going to curse those that curse you. And if that's not enough, he said, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed because of your family. That's how, that's how big a deal this dream thing is with you, Abraham. Only one problem. Abraham and his wife can't have kids. They go to the fertility clinic. Nothing we can do for you. They get older. She goes through the special time of life. Nothing's happening. He's left everything for this dream. And now he's just living a life of drudgery. You know, I think, I think, that, I think the truth of life is that all of our lives are not lived in the dream. Most of our lives, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and I look over my wife and say, hey baby, I have a dream. Most of our lives, aren't, aren't they just about getting up and going to work and doing what's in front of you and, and going through life and trying to pay the bills and getting it done? How many know that that's truth? We don't live all of our lives in some, in some dreamy state, but, but yet there are those special times when we just feel like maybe God has spoken to us or maybe we don't even know that it's God, but just something inside of us that there's this special, this special dream. So Abraham goes through a lot. He's got a wife who can't have kids. He's got a nephew who's quarrels with him. He's got people that make fun of him, his dream. And, and, and they go so far that uh, they, they try, even in the old days, they try some unique methods of having a kid. And, and they provide Abraham with another woman, a handmaiden, they called it, a surrogate, if you will, by the name of Hagar. And she has a son by the name of Ishmael. And just an interesting little tidbit, Ishmael is really the father of the Arab world today, and the Jewish people are still in conflict with them today over this surrogate not going along with God's original plan. And, and God says to Abraham, you know, I, I, I'm going to bless you know, 
Ishmael, but that's I, I didn't. That was never my intention. My my intention. I I told you 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 didn't hear me wrong that night when I told you I had plans for your life. And then, and then, the story gets interesting. Abraham's wife gets pregnant at age ninety-one. Age ninety-one. She was in the rocker before she was rocking her baby. Age ninety-one, she gets pregnant. But can you imagine, after you've had a dream for that long, how welcome this child was? This was not just a child to an old couple. This was a dream come true. This was their dream that came true. And, 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 and here's where I want to pick up the story today. Because if you have a Bible, and if you don't, it's going to be shown up on the screen. I want to read you a scripture this morning as we talk about daring to dream again. And the scripture says this, that sometime later, God tested Abraham And he said to him, Abraham, here am I. First thing that I want to share with you about dreams today, and I think there's a place in your bulletins for you to take notes and fill in blanks if you'd like to. And the first thing is is that your dreams will be tested. The Bible says that God tested Abraham. I want to say this morning that any dream worth having is going to be tested. You're going to find out whether it was just a good idea, whether it was just a pipe dream, or whether this was a a God-birthed dream inside of you. And so when Martin Luther King Jr. shared his dream, how many know that that dream has been tested and tested and tested? Even with the death of the dreamer himself. But when the dreamer dies, the dream lives on. Have you ever felt captured by a dream? I, I grew up, my parents are dreamers. They're here this morning. My parents, uh, they were also church planters. But in 1971, when my parents went to plant a church in, in Ottawa, Illinois, the first year of, his, uh, of, of pastoring, his kidneys failed. Now this was in the very early days of kidney transplants. They had a dream of coming to this city and starting a church and seeing God do some great things there. Now my dad preached while he was sitting down like I am this morning, but not because he just wanted to sit down. He couldn't stand up. He got so weak during that year that both of his kidneys were removed and he was put on a dialysis machine. And uh, my, thank God, my grandmother, his mother, gave him a kidney. Both of his roommates at Mayo Clinic died with the same kidney disease that he had. And uh, my grandmother gave him a kidney back in 1971 or 1972. And for many, many years, he lived on grandma's kidney. Until that kidney started giving away. And now he's got his brother's kidney And uh, I remember when I was a kid, my dad being in his 30s and passing out at home. We didn't know if he was going to live. He's like Timex. He keeps uh, licking and keeps on ticking. He's here this morning. He's 72 years old. Thank God. Amen. (laughs) 
But your dream will be tested. Then God said, Take your son. I'm just going to warn you right up front. This is PG-13. This is a weird Bible story. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is one of the weirdest Bible stories that I think there is. And I got some, you know, I got some questions for God when I get to heaven. We're going to, I, I got a question about this story. Of course, when I see God, I probably won't ask the question. But, but listen to this. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. I just want to tell you something as Christians and coming from the Judeo-Christian tradition. God never asks us to sacrifice our children. That's what the heathens do. That, that's what the gods around that's what the gods around them required was that they would sacrifice their children. And here's God saying, Take your son. I, I got a son. And you know what? I only got one son. He had a son and he only had one son. Take the son. And it almost seems like God's rubbing it in. It almost seems like God's talking a little trash. Take your son. Which son? Your only son. And if that's not clear enough, the one that you love. I'd say about my son, he's my son, he's my only son, and he's the son that I love. Take your son, your one and only son, the son that you love, and sacrifice him on a mountain. The next thing I want to share with you is that our dreams require our treasure. And I'm not even going to try to defend God on this whole thing. But I will say this, that I have learned about dreams, is that your dreams will require your very best. That, that, if, that if you have a dream, it's not something that you can just kind of be interested in. It's going to take all you got. It's going to take some, it's going to take some, some sacrifices. You know, I had a dream to, to, to come to Knoxville, but it has not been without sacrifice. I, I had to leave my mom and dad. I had to leave parents that I dearly loved. And he and I were actually in ministry together in southern Illinois. And I had to leave him in order to do that. And, and, and you know, to go to the ministry, I had to leave other lucrative things that I could have gotten into. But let me just tell you something. If you have a dream, it will cost you something. But having said that, I, I'm not defending God by saying uh, He's going to ask for your son because frankly, that seems not like anything that I've ever heard about God. But just for right now, let's just suffice it to say that our dreams will require our treasure. Now let me keep reading. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now I'm going to tell you, this passage is almost as weird as the last one to me. Okay, so it's weird that God asked him to, to give his son. And then it's weird to me that Abraham obeys God. 
there's no negotiations. You know, there's no argument. God asks for His Son, and, 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 and so the plot gets weirder here. But I'm also going to say that this is the first place that I find hope in the passage. There's something that happens in the passage here that gives the biblical reader some hope because he says this, on the third day. Readers of the, of, of, of the Old Testament understand that when, when God talks about third days, third day in the Bible means something good is about to happen. On the third day, Jonah comes out of the belly of the whale. It's on the third day that Queen Esther goes before the king and saves all of the Jewish people from annihilation. When we get to the New Testament, it's on the third day that that Jesus turns the water into the wine. And, And those of us who are believers in Jesus know that after He's crucified, what happens on the third day? He raises from the dead. And so in the Bible, when, when we talk about third day, it's always this day of God's special fulfillment. And so even though we're not relieved yet in the story, we're, we're at least curious. There's something that's going on literarily that makes us say, okay, okay, something's getting ready to happen. This doesn't sound like the God that I know. And he says that on the third day. And then another reason for hope in this passage is Abraham says something pretty strange to his servants. He says to his servants, now, me and my son, we're going to go and worship. And me and my son are coming back. Did you catch that? God's told him to sacrifice his son. But Abraham says somehow, I don't know how, God's asked me to do something that I don't get what he's up to yet. But I'm telling you, servants, stay here. Me and my son, we're going to go worship. And me and my son are coming back. There's hope there. There's hope in this passage. So for those of you who might be pretty mad at God so far in this story, hang on. There's a third day coming. And we get this indication, me and my son are coming back. Now listen to this. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Think about this, carrying your own wood. Isaac's carrying the wood for the sacrifice. Now this is is the PG-13 part. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now we're getting getting a picture of how this is all going to come down. Fire. Knife, wood. You start picturing it, don't you? You start picturing the the sacrifice and the flames. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Awkward conversations with your son. (laughs) Hey, dad. Aren't you forgetting something? <laughs> Got the fire in the wood. Where's the animal? Now, now it sounds like he's just putting his son off, but he says something very 
profound. He says something very profound. He says, he says these words, God himself will provide the lamb and the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Some of you right now might be facing some things in your life that just seem like there's knives and wood and fire involved. And I don't know how it's all going to turn out for you, but I came here to tell you this morning that we have a God who provides. And he says, God himself will provide. So when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I cannot even imagine this. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Just when you thought the story couldn't get any weirder, Abraham is actually going through with this. He binds his son. He puts him on the altar. He takes the sword. He lifts it. The indication is is that he would have brought it down on his son. And then the music starts up. Can't touch this. All right. You know, there, there's that, there, God says, don't you touch that boy. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. If I could take some poetic license, I just want to imagine for a moment, if you will, and I'm going to step out of the lights and into the shadows, but just imagine here that there's two things there's, that are going on. You've got, you've got uh, some sheep that are over here and they're in a herd and they're doing what sheep do. Sheep like to herd together and they like to eat together. And something happens to one of the sheep that's unprecedented. The sheep that's in the flock suddenly gets a twitch and, and has an instinct that is not like any other instinct that that sheep has ever had before. And that sheep, that ram, starts making his way up the mountain. I don't know why I'm going up this mountain, but something inside of me is telling me to go to the top of the mountain. Now I want you to imagine, if you will, that on the other side of the mountain, Abraham and Isaac are over here, and Abraham is is bringing his son up the mountain. He's carrying his own wood. He's got the fire. 
between Abraham and Isaac and the flock of sheep over here is a mountain. Which means that Abraham and Isaac cannot see what's happening on the other side of the mountain. The sheep does not know what's going on on the other side of the mountain. Abraham and Isaac, they make their way up here and Abraham and Isaac are... I cannot imagine what Abraham's going through. Isaac's naive. He thinks his dad's gone a little off his rocker. Right about now, this sheep has left the flock. Now he's up here all by himself as Abraham and Isaac are making their way. They still don't see each other. And and, and right as... Abraham and Isaac are on the other side and the sheep is on this side and there's a, there's a point, there's a top of the mountain. And Abraham and Isaac get there about the same time that the ram gets there. And this ram is watching Abraham and Isaac. He watches Abraham put his son on the, on, on, on the, on the altar. And just to let me imagine for a moment, but I'm just watching this ram watch this whole scene unfold. And something inside of this ram can't even tolerate it. And he, he takes his head and does this. And when he does, the Bible says that there was a thicket there. And he, this ram gets his head caught in the thicket. And just as Abraham has the, has the knife up to bring his sword down on his son, the angel stops him and points out the fact that there's a ram that God has provided that is the sacrifice for Abraham. I came to tell some people this morning that you're going through your dreams. Maybe you've gotten cynical and maybe you don't think that things could ever work out for you anymore and things have been confusing for you and, and, and your dreams have sort of been pushed by the wayside and you're just going through life. I came to tell you that where you can't see on the other side of the mountain that God has been at work on your behalf. That there's not, you can't see everything that's going on. Your view is blocked by the mountain. But I came to tell you this morning that there, that God is a God who provides. And, and, and here's what the New Testament says. It says that at just the right time, at just the right time, just when it seemed like all was lost for humanity, at just the right time, God sent His Son. And He died, the Bible says, for the ungodly. Jesus was the Son. The only Son. God so loved the world that He gave what? His only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So the last point I want, I want to share with you, that dreams come true in God's timing. It's 
The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this, have not withheld your son, your only son, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities and their enemies, and through your offspring all nations of the earth will be blessed. That, my friends, is the Jewish people today who continue to experience the blessing of God The final lesson in this story for me is this. The dream giver can be trusted. Abraham says, I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to work out. But let me tell you, everything I know about God, He's a good God. And all of His plans for me are good. You know what the New Testament actually said in the book of Hebrews where it's explaining this story? It said, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. The Bible said that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise, raise the dead. Abraham, I don't know how God's gonna, I don't know how God's gonna provide, but me and my boy are coming back because God made a promise. And He promised that through this son, all the earth was gonna be blessed. I don't know how it's gonna come about. But I know one thing about God. He's a good God. And all of His promises are sure and true. I came to tell you this morning that all of God's plans for you are good. That God's got wonderful plans for your life. And maybe life has happened to you and you've become a a bit cynical. I want to tell you this morning, this is is a, a great story in the Bible because it's a story that makes you think maybe God's cruel. But it really shows the absolute goodness of God. What He did for us when we couldn't do it for ourselves. There was a plan that was a work on the other side of the mountain. God just wanted me to tell you today, dare to dream again. Whatever the paint's been peeling on your dream, dream again. Whether it's that business that He put in you to start, whether it's your kids and God was going to do great things through your family, whatever it was, I, I, came to, I came to call some dream out of some people today. Dare to dream again. We're going to pray right now. and I, I, It's not complicated beginning this journey. Beginning the journey just means, God, today, I just want to begin to dream again and I receive You as my Savior. And I accept the fact that You did it for me. You were the, lamb, the ram in the thicket that was caught for me and what I couldn't do for myself, You did for me. Salvation is just about receiving that free gift, what He already did for us. I came to tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. And He's got great plans for your lives. I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes right now. And I just want to ask those of you that would this morning, just take a first step. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to uh, embarrass you this morning. But if you would just say, this morning I want to make a start with God and you would signify that by lifting up your hand to say, Lord, I want to begin to dream again today. If that's you in this building, would you raise your hand right now? Amen. Thank the Lord. 
Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Are there those today that would say, you know, Pastor, I've, I've already made a commitment to the Lord, but today I just want to I just want to re-up. I just want to recommit my life to Jesus today. If that's you in this building, would you just raise your hand all over this building and say, yes, God, here I am. I'm daring to dream again. I'm going to go on this great adventure with you. Amen. Thank God. All over this building. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer for us right now, and I just ask for you to just let me form the words for you, and if you just repeat after me, uh, we're just going to invite Jesus to come right now and to give us fresh dreams and to renew those dreams that have died in us. Lord Jesus, we thank You for this day. And we thank You for dying on the cross and taking our penalty for us. We thank You that You're a good God and that all Your plans for us are good. Today, I repent of my sins and I ask You to come into my heart and I want to dream again. So put fresh dreams in me. In Jesus' name. Amen.